0: As we turn our attention today, I hope that you have your Bible with you. You can go ahead and be opening your Bible uh, to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter nine is where we're gonna be looking together today in just a few moments. But before we turn there, I do want to let you know that I've been directed of the Holy Spirit to be able to talk on the subject matter that's not very popular in the world today, and nobody really wants to hear about it, and we certainly don't want to go to church and be preached at about it, but we I've been directed by the Holy Spirit and began a new series a few Sundays ago that is titled, The Fate of the Wicked. The Fate of the Wicked, everybody say that together. The Fate of the Wicked. Now we. As church people, we encourage and we love to embrace the opportunity to talk about how blessed that we are and how that we have been promised that we would have a home in heaven. For Jesus himself said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you Ye may be also. We're reminded from the Word of God that Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave there on the cross of Calvary. When He uttered those words, it is finished. We realize that He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later He rose from the dead, and now He has ascended into heaven, ever living, to make intercession for us. And we thank God for that. And the Bible reminds us in the book of 2 Corinthians. The Bible says for to be absent from the body is to be what? present with the Lord. For I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Christ will God bring with him. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And Paul admonishes the body of believers that we are to comfort one another with these words. And I believe that Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? Say amen. So today, before we journey in, I want you to get your pens out, something to write with and something to write on today. And I want you to be reminded that as we are about to open up this next sermon that I'll be speaking on, I want you to make sure that you all understand. For those of you that are new, I want to make sure that I give you a little bit of the history of where we've been before we move into where we're going. And that is this. I want you to write down this, that there are only two groups of people on planet Earth. A lot of times... We categorize people by nationality or the color of their skin. Uh, We may say, well, they're a German, or they're a Russian, or they're a Japanese, or they're a Chinese, or they're Hispanic, whatever we may declare them to be based off their nationality. But in the eyes of God, there are only two classes of people on planet Earth, or in eternity for that matter. Write this down, there is the group called the wicked, And we know uh, that that is the group that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. They've never been born again. They're lost and undone. And the wicked can occupy what we call time. And the wicked certainly can occupy eternity. In other words, wicked people are alive today. And wicked people are alive in eternity. And then there's a second group that I hope and pray that you are a member of, and that is the group called the Righteous Group. Now, that's important to know. We only got wicked people or righteous people. Now, righteousness is not based off what we do or how good we are. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So we got to realize that the only way we can be righteous is how the righteousness of God uh, uh, given to us through the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus. For you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So we know that the only way that we can get out of the wicked category into the righteous category, according to the word of God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you Nicodemus, you must be born again john jesus said in the book of john whoever lives and believes in jesus will never die do you believe that and the bible says if we confess with our mouth the lord jesus and believe in our heart that god has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved and the bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved aren't you glad of that amen so we realize then that the righteous are those that have confessed christ with their mouth and believed in jesus in their heart the wicked are those that have not yet done that or they have rejected the invitation of christ the bible says whosoever will let him come of the uh, drink of the water of life freely if you're thirsty come and drink and jesus said the spirit and the bride say come so in this series we've been focusing on the wicked group we've been talking about the fate of the wicked And what we have discussed so far, you may want to jot this down, that is this, point number one before we look there together, is that we talked about can the wicked prosper on this earth? And the answer to that is an astounding what, church? Yes, they can prosper while they're on this earth. The Bible says, why do the wicked prosper? And all of us have been there. We've all asked that question. Why is it that a wicked Joe is getting ahead and I'm behind? Why is it that it seems like everything good is happening to them and I'm trying to serve God and everything bad is happening to me? Why is it that it looks like they've got the thumbs up and I've got the thumbs down? Well, you're not alone. People way before you have asked that question. So the fact of the matter is the wicked can prosper on this earth. But we also realize that there will always be a but God moment. That is, God will step in and say, but God. When God steps in, he separates time and eternity and he brings that together so that we're not segregated by time but we are also a part of eternity. God will always step into your life and he will interrupt your plans. Can I get an amen? Then we talked about that the wicked at the point of death. That is, they're gasping for breath or they've been given the diagnosis, the cancer has spread, you're not gonna live. We talked about the wicked at death. Then we talked about the wicked the moment they go into eternity. What's that like? How does that feel? What does that encompass when they take their last breath and they are entered into eternity? We talked about that last Sunday. Now, I wanna make sure you understand so you all listen closely. For the next few Sundays, it is very important that you come to church. Now, it's important that you come because today and the next few Sundays, we're going to go really deep in studying the fate of the wicked. Now, you need to make sure that you come in, get ready and prepare to take notes and get ready to study with me. So are you ready? Say amen. Amen. So today, we're going to be talking about the title, The Fate of the Wicked as they what? wait in hell. Now, make sure you underline or circle the word wait, because that's what they're doing. They're waiting in hell. Now, there are people that would say, now, wait a minute, Brother Jack, I didn't sign up to come to church for you to talk about the subject of hell. But ladies and gentlemen, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And uh, we cannot ignore the teaching on that subject. As a matter of fact, as a man of God, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't give you the balanced teaching of the Word of God. Heaven is a sweet subject to teach on, amen. And heaven is a glorious place waiting for the believers. But ladies and gentlemen, just as sure as there's a heaven, for the saved, there's a hell for the lost. And I believe that today we live in, that what's happened is out of the pulpits across America is that we have forgotten that people need to hear the other side of the story. And the other side of the story is there is a hell for the wicked. Now, the Bible tells us that if you'll open your Bible up to the book of Psalms, chapter 9, as a matter of fact, when you study your Bible, there's more to be said about hell than there is about heaven. Jesus himself spoke over and over and over again about the subject of hell. But if you'll notice in Psalms 9, verse 17, the Bible says this. Would you all read it out loud with me today? The wicked shall be turned into what? Into hell and all the nations that forget God. Ladies and gentlemen, America is in trouble. We have forgotten God. Now, I don't think we've forgotten religion and I don't think we've forgotten what what feel-good's all about, but I believe that America has forgotten God. And I believe that we're on the edge of making a lot of idols out of even religion. And we've got to make sure that we are focused on the reality of the truth of God's word. If there's ever been a day and hour that we need the right preaching as today we live in today. So the Bible says the wicked will be turned into hell. They won't go to purgatory. A lot of people would teach you that. That's a lie from the hell itself. Uh, there is no purgatory. Uh, there is no time that you will go into a place where people can pray you out of it. Uh, there's no reincarnation. Uh, you're not going to come back as a poodle, I can assure you of that. Uh, you're not, you're not going to be reincarnated. Once you draw your last breath, you will go into hell if you don't know Jesus, and you will be waiting there, waiting there. And we're going to talk about that today. What does it mean to wait in hell? And I want you to know, you may say, well, Pastor, what are they waiting for? Well, before I, before I go into point number one, they're waiting to be resurrected again. Now the Bible says that there is a second resurrection. Now the, second, the first resurrection is the resurrection of the believer at the moment Christ comes back. Uh, when he suspends himself between heaven and earth, there will be a great, what the old folks used to say, a great getting up morning for all the believers. The, the graves will burst open, the bodies of the believers will be resurrected. But there will be a second resurrection And that second resurrection is a resurrection not unto life, but unto damnation. And we've got to realize that everybody who dies without Jesus will go to hell, and they're waiting in hell. Can you imagine that? Waiting in hell to be resurrected. What are they going to do? They're going to be resurrected to stand at the great white throne judgment, which we will talk about next Sunday. But we've got to realize that they're waiting. They're waiting in hell. So let's take our Bible and let's begin the journey. So are you ready? Say amen. Let's look at point number one today, and that is this. What is the commonality? I thought that was a good word. I did write that. The commonality of what? All people. What does everybody have in common? Now, we've got to realize that all of us have two or three things that we all have in common. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how much money you've got. Doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. When all is stripped away and everything lies naked before God, every man, woman, boy, and girl, the sound of my voice, everybody is level at these three places. Doesn't matter who you are. So we've got to realize then that there is a commonality. Now, the first one is very simple, and I think you would understand this. All people are created in the image of God. Can I get an amen? Doesn't matter who you are. You're created in the image of God. Now, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and verse number 27, so God, everybody say that with me, so what? God. How many of you realize that you're not an accident? You didn't just evolve. You didn't didn't come from a germ or a fish of the sea or a monkey on a tree. God created man in his own, what, image. Now don't miss that, open your Bible up and look there, you need to journey with me today. So God, God did that. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, watch this, he makes sure that in the world today where there's such a definition of separating men and women and all the sexist things going on, he says he made them, what? Male and female. How many of you believe God did that? God did that. God made them male and female. So you, my friend, are a creation from God. Now, the Bible, if you'll just look there in verse 27, the word is image. Now that's an interesting word. Don't miss that. In the Hebrew, that is the word shalom. That is not not, not peace, but salam. It uh, means that you are a reflection of who created you. Now, I I like this. When you read that word image, according to the word of God, now you may want to write this down, we get the word shade from it. Shade. Now, what that means is, is that if you have a tree and the sun shines in a distinct direction on that tree, it creates a shade of the tree. In other words, it is a representation of the real thing. And when you look there at the word image, it means shade or to resemble or to a representative of a figure or a likeness. The Bible says that you are made in the likeness of Elohim, God. The word Elohim is the plural name for God. So so are you with me? Say amen. So God created you in his likeness. It reflects who he is. Every time you, I look at you, I look at you as men and women, and I say, you know what? You remind me of God. You are created in the image of Elohim. Now watch this. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. You'd say, now wait a minute, Brother Jackie. Uh, you mean that when you look at me, uh, you can really say that I reflect God. Yes, yes, I can. Because you know this and I know this. Now, listen carefully. God in three persons, what? Blessed Trinity. There is God the Father, Elohim. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Every one of you are created like that. Now, you're not created as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but you are created in that image. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl, you are a resemblance of who God is. Now listen carefully. So we all got that in common. Every man, every woman. But look at point number two. All people have a what? Body, soul, and what? Spirit. Everybody does. God created you like that. Why? Why? because you are created as a tripartite creation. You're not a dichotomy, you're a a trichotomous creation. You have a body, soul, and a spirit. You're not an animal, an animal is a dichotomous creation, has a body and a soul, but not a spirit. So we have gotta realize then that when we understand we have this body and that body represents a part of the Trinity, We have a soul, now the word soul is the word psychic where we get our intellect, our ability to comprehend. We have the functionality of a mind, irregardless of what scholar achievement you've been able to do. Everybody has that and everybody has a spirit. Now now we gotta realize that God created us that way. But we understand that our spirit is dead in sins and we're separated from God. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you gotta be born again, Nicodemus. So we got a body, we got a soul, and we got a spirit, and how many people have that? Everybody, because you're created in the image of God. So people will say, well, you know what? I don't believe that, Brother Jackie. Well, my friend, if you don't believe that, you better hope you're right, because you've got a body and a soul and a spirit that God is going to bring together as a wholesome totality of who you are for eternity. Now you've got to understand this. Are you listening? Say amen. amen. So everybody's got that. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, and the very God of peace will sanctify you. That word sanctify means to set apart and keep setting apart. You holy, and I pray God your whole spirit, your whole soul and your whole body, there it is right there, be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. And by the way, he's coming. He's coming. What Paul is saying is, I want you to be right when he comes. I want to make sure you've got everything put together, wholesome, so everybody has a body, soul, and spirit. And here's the third thing everybody has in common. All people are what? Sinners. doesn't matter who you are. You're a sinner. You was born in this world as a sinner. Now, this is important for you to know because I'm going to make you have a test on this in a moment. So you better pay attention. Are you with me? Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Let's all read it together. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many? All of us. That's all inclusive. So we know then that under that understanding, <clears throat> let's go back and read those three things. All people are created what? Image God. All people have a what? Body, soul, and spirit. And all people are what? Born sinner. Do you believe that? Say amen. Now we know that all people are like that. doesn't matter who you are. Everybody's got those three things in com- that were all in common with that. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Everybody's got a body, soul, and spirit. And everybody's created in the image of God. Now, listen, are you listening? If you are created in the image of God, is God temporal or eternal? He's eternal. So God didn't create you in his image to be temporary. He created you in his image to be eternal. So God created you in his image, are you listening? To be eternal with a body soul, spirit. Now that's important. Now let's take the journey. And boy, have I been praying about how to make sure you understand this, because you got to get this. The contrast between the righteous and the wicked. What, what makes the difference? If everybody has a commonality, what's the contrast then? What sets us at Uh, in different places in our life and in eternity because even though we are all created in the image of God and even though we all got a body, soul, and spirit and even though all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there is a contrast. So are you with me? First of all, Hebrews 9.27 says these words. It is appointed unto man what? How many men have that appointment? All of us do. Every one of us have an appointment with death. It's an appointment unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. So we've all got an appointment, we're all gonna die, and we're all gonna face some type of this judgment. Now for the believer, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but for the wicked, they stand at the great white throne judgment. Now there's a difference. We'll talk about it, but let's take our Bible now and open up to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 16. Let's see if we can learn some things together. So are you with me? Is everybody awake? Are you awake? Say amen. Amen. Anybody of mind over in Talladega? I hope not. Look at your neighbor and say, get out of Talladega. Amen. Amen. Get right here, right here with Brother Jackie, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. Very important you do that. You'll never hear a message that you need to hear more important than this one. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19 says these words. And there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, everybody say that with me, what? came to pass. It will always come to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, but the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am what? In these what? Flame, all right. But Abraham said, Son, remember, that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now let's read it together. He is what? Comforted, but you are tormented. And besides all this, uh, there is a great gulf that is fixed. Now underline that in your Bible, it's fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us which would come from where you are. In other words, uh, there is a contrast that we've got to look at, Brother Randy. Now I'm going to get you to fill out the next two blanks, and then I want you to focus in. All right, here it is. What happens to the righteous at the time of death? Now write that down. What happens to them? Righteous people die not because we're righteous, but because Jesus is righteous and it's appointed unto man once to die. What happens to the righteous at the point of death? Then secondly, what happens to the wicked at the point of death? The Bible says that both of those men died, the rich man and Lazarus died, and so will you. And so will the righteous, and so will the wicked. We're going to die. We're going to come to that place in our life where physically we're not going to be able to carry on. This body is a tabernacle. The Bible uses that term. This tabernacle will be dissolved. And this mortal must put on immortality, this corruption must put on incorruption, then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So we got to realize that we have a body, soul and spirit and one day our body's gonna die and we got to realize that when we die, what happens to the wicked and what happens to the righteous? And that's a age old question, now listen carefully. Write this down. Before Jesus died on the cross, before Jesus died on the cross, if I say that, before Jesus died on the cross, before he died on the cross, the righteous dead went to paradise and the wicked dead went to hell before Jesus died on the cross. Before Jesus died on the cross, if you were a righteous person you went to a place called paradise before Jesus died on the cross the wicked went to hell the Bible says that Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and the rich man was in hell now are you with me so before if I say this with me before Jesus died on the cross so before Jesus died on the cross when people died There was a distinction between the two, the people. One group was righteous, one group was wicked. And when you were righteous or wicked before Jesus died on the cross, where did you go? You went, if you were righteous, you went to paradise. If you were wicked, you went to hell. And watch this, remember what I'm gonna tell you now. The underworld is made up or was made up of two compartments. The underworld. There was a place in the underworld called hell, and there was a place called paradise. And the Bible says that there was an impassable gulf between the two. Now, that was in the underworld. And at the bottom of the pit of that impassable gulf, there is a place called the abyss or the deep, and it's a place of temporary confinement for demons. At the bottom of this pit, which will be unleashed during the tribulation period. So we got, in the underworld, before Jesus died, there was a place called paradise, and there was a place called hell, and there was this impassable gulf between the two. And right at the bottom of this gulf, according to the book of Revelation, there is a pit. And that pit is known as the abyss. And there will come a time when the angels will unlock that abyss and demons as such the world has never saw will come out of that pit and ascend on the earth during the tribulation period. So we realize then that that is the picture of the the world before Jesus died on the cross. Now, are you listening? Say amen. The righteous dead, everybody say the righteous dead. Before the resurrection of Christ, the soul and the spirit of the righteous dead went to the paradise section of the underworld. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said to the thief on the cross, today thou shalt be with me where? Paradise. He said, when I die on this cross, you're gonna be with me in paradise. Now the Bible says in the book of Ephesians That he who ascended first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Where did Jesus go for three days? Was he just laying in the grave? No, he had descended into the underworld. And when Jesus went into the underworld, we realize that he went there to set the captives free that had been in the paradise section of the underworld. Why did he do that? because he had to be the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus had to lead the way to the third heaven. So if you could picture in your mind, Moses, Noah, Daniel, Isaiah, and you could go through biblical characters from now to the cows come home in the Old Testament, and when they died, Their body went to the grave, their soul and spirit went to the paradise section and they were waiting on the fulfillment of scripture because the Messiah was gonna come. So God had a place to put them until the lamb showed up. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he descended into the paradise section of the underworld and he vacated that section. And the Bible says that he took them to the third heaven. And that's why today, when righteous people die, we say to be absent from the bodies to be what? Where is the Lord? He's in the third heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. So if we die today, we don't go to the paradise section of the underworld. world. We go to the third heaven to be with Jesus. And our bodies are put in the grave waiting on that first resurrection. Are you with me? Say amen. Now that was before the resurrection. After the resurrection, nobody goes to the paradise section of the underworld. It's vacant. Nobody's there. But the wicked people, their soul and spirit is still in the hell section of the underworld. They're still there. They they didn't get out. They're still there. And every soul that rejects Jesus goes to the hell section of the underworld. Now, are you listening? So if you die without Jesus, your body goes to the grave. Your soul and your spirit goes to the hell section of the underworld. What are you doing? You're waiting. You're waiting. What are you waiting on? You're waiting on the second resurrection. And at, at the second resurrection, God will call every soul and spirit, and every body will be stand before him at the great white throne judgment, those that have rejected Jesus. So listen to me. Are you listening? The righteous dead are in heaven. The wicked dead are in hell. Watch this. Waiting. Can you imagine that? Waiting in hell, waiting in hell. Now now we think about this, what are they waiting for? They're waiting to be resurrected, to stand before a holy God. Only to hear these words, depart from me, I never knew you. Into the lake which burns with fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Can you imagine that? You've rejected God all your life, sure you've lived it up, you've had it made, you've had all you want, you've lived your life, you've you've rejected everything about God, you've you've had a great time, but you die, and you go to hell to wait, only to know that what you're waiting on is you're going to be resurrected to face God, can you imagine that, a wicked person facing God? A holy God, the one that you rejected? Are you with me? Say amen. So we realize then that that's what's going on. They're waiting in hell. They're waiting. Now let's think about this for a minute. What is the, not only the commonality of people, but the contrast between the righteous and the wicked? But let's think about this. The conscious state of the wicked as they what wait in hell <clears throat> you know you, you, when you die as a wicked person you're not you're not oblivious to what's going on you, you're not you, you don't go into an annihilation you're you're conscious of what's happening, so when you die as a wicked person, you're conscious now the bible says. In the book of Luke chapter 16 and verse number 23, the Bible says that this rich man died, went to hell. And by the way, he's still there. He's still there. Lazarus is not there in the underworld. He's now with Jesus in the third heaven. And all the souls of those that are righteous go with him in the third heaven. But the rich man is still where? In hell. All right, now let's think about this. Verse number 23 says, And in hell he what? Lifted up his eyes. What was he in there? What was happening? He was in torments, plural. He he had more than one. And he saw uh, Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Sid in Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am, what? Tormenting And by the way, the flame has not been extinguished. It's still there. The Bible says, but Abraham said, son, remember, that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is, what? Comforted, but you're tormented. And besides all this, there is, a, there is this great guff, and that guff is there, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. And then <clears throat> he said, I pray you therefore, Father, that you would send in my Father's house. Now let's think about this. <clears throat> As we look there together, we begin to realize that he's conscious. He is in a conscious state. Can you imagine going to hell and waiting? And while you're waiting there, you're conscious of everything? The Bible says that he saw. Did you know that when you go to hell, you see? You, you, you can see. Can you imagine being in a, that awful place and seeing it? Seeing the pain of that. Seeing the, the terrible pictures of that. Can you imagine what hell would look like? It's flames that are boiling up. Seeing the people there, looking around you and seeing all these things around you. I don't believe that our minds can comprehend the, the, the terror that we would see. <clears throat> I don't believe that we could wrap our minds around that. Can you imagine that, seeing all of that? being in a place of torments, opening your your eyes. I don't understand how God does that, but the Bible says that the rich man saw, and I believe you will see too if you don't know Jesus. And the Bible says that he saw. Can you imagine that? I don't know about y'all, but I don't like to see terrible things. Do you? I don't like to see it. When you see terrible things, you hide your eyes. You try to shut them, you try not not to acknowledge it. But can you imagine in hell waiting and having to see all the stuff? And the Bible says that he was tormented. Can you imagine the agony of that? The Bible says that he was begging for a drop of water. The Bible says that he he could feel in hell the agony of it, the anguish of it, the, the, the drought of it, the pain of it, suffering. The Bible says he remembered. I told you last Sunday, if you reject Jesus and you listen to this sermon, you'll remember it all of eternity. You'll remember a bald-headed preacher stood on a pulpit, sanctified of God, and he told you about this. And that will run over in your mind over and 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 over over again throughout all of eternity. You will remember laughing at it. You'll remember mocking. You'll remember sitting in church sleeping. You'll remember putting everything else before God. You'll remember all this stuff. You'll remember how that you chose luxury over righteousness. You'll remember all that. Everything in your life will go over like a recorder in your mind. The Bible says that you'll be conscious of that. You'll know all that. <clears throat> when I begin to think about that, I wrote this down <clears throat> that Lazarus, that the rich man knew that Lazarus was comforted. Can you imagine in hell? If you reject Jesus and you don't accept Christ, can you imagine? You'll remember, my mama knew Jesus. She's comforted, I'm not. My daddy knew Jesus. He's comforted, I'm not. My friend begged me to go to church. They knew Jesus. They're comforted I'm not. I had a an aunt that knowed the Lord. She's comforted, him, but I'm not. She's comforted, I'm tormented. Forever and ever and ever and ever, and ever, and I wrote these down in my notes, the minimal sentence of somebody being in the lake of fire, listen to this, somebody being in hell, the minimal sentence is a 1,000 years. If you were the last person that lived during the tribulation period, for the seven years, if you was the last person, and you were the last person in that seven years and you rejected Jesus, your minimal sentence of being in hell would be a thousand literal years, minimally, before the second resurrection. Thousand years of torment, minimally. There's been people living in that place for two, three, four thousand years in pain and agony. I wouldn't want to spend a second in there, would you? I wouldn't want to spend a week in there, would you? How many of you would say, Brother Jack, I don't want to spend any time in that place. Can I get an amen? amen? But can you imagine being in that place, conscious in that place? The wicked will be there. Now let's think about the condemnation of the wicked. The word condemnation means judgment. <clears throat> Not only do we have the commonality of people, and not only do we have the contrast between the two, and not only do we recognize the consciousness of the wicked in hell, but what about the condemnation of the wicked? How did they, how did they get condemned, and, and how did they get there? The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 3, for God sent not his son in the world to do what? Condemn the world. God, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. Can I get an Amen. Jesus didn't come to sentence you to that. He came to rescue you out of that. The Bible says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? You know what that means? It means rescued. In other words, what God did in 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 a world full of sinners, God threw a life preserver. In a sea of souls that were drowning in sin, God threw a life preserver and said, this is my son Jesus. I'll save you out of that. I will rescue you out of that. And the Bible says, he that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not, say it with me, is condemned already. You know what that means? if you'll just believe in Jesus you'll be rescued from condemnation you'll be rescued from that but if you don't believe in Jesus you're condemned already you would say I've heard people say to me you know what I'm not going to go and listen to that sermon that's condemning to me can I tell you this my friend if you don't know Jesus you don't need a sermon to condemn you you're condemned already You don't need somebody to preach to you to condemn you. You need somebody to preach to you to help you see the light. For the Bible tells us that we are to preach, we are to proclaim, we're to share, and try to get people to see what God's done for you. God has sent his son into this world to save you, not to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to make you worse, Jesus came to make you better. Jesus didn't come to get you in. He came to get you out. Jesus done something for us that we could not do for ourselves for there is none righteous, no, not one. But there had to be a perfect sacrifice offered and there's only one that could do that, and that's Jesus. You say, well, Brother Jackie, I believe there's a lot of ways to guide. I don't know who told you that, but they lied to you. We're living in a world today that says, oh, you know what? You can just get to God any way you want to. No, you can't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except he come by me. We're living in a world today that churches all over America are setting up idols in their worship. It's not about music. It's not about feel good. It's not about beat. It's not about the type of song, contemporary tradition. It's not about, can I just tell you this? It's all about Jesus. It's not about feel good or feel bad. It's about him, my friend. And if we don't point you to him, it doesn't matter to me what kind of sound we got. It's all about Jesus. And if you don't believe in him, my friend, you're condemned already. Already. Now listen carefully. And this is where I want to get you today. Bottom line, it's the continuance of God's love. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Now you listen to me, you you draw in here and listen to me. God loves you. And watch this, he will never stop loving you. Now, I want to get your heart for a minute. Listen to me. John three 16, let's read it together. Everybody all over this place. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. Do y'all believe that? God loves you. You may say, Brother Jackie, nobody loves me. Oh, yeah, there is. God loves you. Now, all that we've talked about that has been in the forefront of this sermon is not, it's sad news. But the bottom line is good news. God loves you. I want you to think about this. God, God says, I love you so much that I'll send my son to die for you. You deserve the condemnation, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let my son die in your place. My judgment will be on him. He'll take the penalty for your sins. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. Where sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound doesn't matter how, how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how terrible your decisions have been. You're one prayer away from being rescued. And God will never stop loving you. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation separate me? Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword. And it's written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long and we're accounted as sheep for the slaughter." But there's one thing I'm convinced of. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Can I get an amen? Will you read this last part with me? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God. <clears throat> now you listen to me. You'd say, Brother Jack, what in the world has that got to do with Anything. What that's got to do with is neither life nor death, nor things present nor things to come will ever separate you from the love of God. Now, I want you to think about something. Are you with me? Think about a wicked person in hell and all the torments. I'm thirsty. I see the terror. I feel the agony. But nothing is worse in hell than knowing that God still loves you. Can you imagine this? Knowing, it's almost as if you could see this if you could that you're in hell reaching up and you can see the hand of god's love but you can't ever grab it you can't ever grab it because you're separated That, that you could you could picture the hand of God's love reaching down, but you can't ever grab it. I don't know about you, but to me, that would be the greatest torment of hell. Knowing that God loved me so much, and even in hell I can't get away from it even in hell I can't run from it. He loves me. To me, to me, that would be the most tormenting thought of hell. Not not that I'm burning, not that I'm, not that I feel the flames, the most excruciating torment to me is not that I could feel the flames, but that I could still feel His love. Why in this world would you reject Him? What in this world is more important to you? than running to Jesus. What has got such a hold on you that you wouldn't be willing right now to say, Brother Jackie, I need Him. I need Him in my life. I believe there's somebody sitting here today that God is saying, And maybe you're realizing for the very first time ever that God loves you. And all you have to do is accept His love. But I can tell you this. You'll never run from it. You'll never get away from it. His love will always. Brother Randy, we're just gonna sing this for a minute. Today our ministers are gonna come to the front of this church. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to come to him. Today would be a day that could change everything about your eternity if you would trust him. Or maybe you're here and you wanna join the church. If I were you, I would join this church. Or maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, God, thank you for loving me. So we're just gonna sing it through one one time, real Randy.